Welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice. I'm David Gronoski, your host. So happy to have you with us. We're doing our series that we've come to enjoy together on Fridays, and that's Trail Thoughts. And we do that with two individuals who have a lot of time working in the printed word. We have Alec Klein, an award-winning journalist and best-selling author, as well as Eric Campman, who is an uh, a, a renowned publisher in the world of books. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Great to great to I have am. you. What a wild <laughs> what a wild time we have, huh? It's uh, it's um, upsetting, actually. I think it's upsetting, but you know, I, I I think the news coming in from all over the place is you know it, it lifts you up and then it drops you off you know a cliff, and so. You don't know which way anything is going to turn out. And it's, um, you know, what's upsetting is the fact that this great country that does so much well does elections really poorly. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's not only a pity, it's dangerous, because if the majority of people or even a minority of people lose faith in the electoral system, uh, and it's just like anybody. If somebody lies to you, you have a very different feeling about them after you've discovered the lie. And if people are lying about the sanctity of the ballots being cast and whether they're real, legitimate or not, I think it's really remarkable that having gone through the year 2000 and then uh, the competitive election in two thousand uh, in uh, was it 2016, uh, you would think that uh, people would get get their act together in these various states, but they haven't done that. And it's wide open for malice. And I, I think it's uh, dangerous for the country, long-term and short-term. Alec Klein, what's your take on this? You're a journalist. You're, you're used to a lot of shady stuff in, in high places, right, as a someone that's an investigative journalist? Well, David... You know, I think my reaction is that this is all the more reason that we ought to be focusing on our faith, actually, that the conversation um, right now should be about uh, the things that are eternal, that are important about, you know, how how we treat each other and how we uh, live in the world that we live in. And, um, you know, in my mind... There's, there's going to be upheaval from time to time, and we're, we're certainly living in a time of, I think, a lot of uh, upheaval. But, but it's all the more reason that we ought to be talking about our faith to, to keep us centered, to know, to remember what's really important uh, about um, our lives and, and what we're seeking. 
Yeah, you recommended a passage that I wanted to reference here for today's program. And this is from Eric Campman, who's with us, his book, Signpost, Discovering the Wisdom of God. And it's uh, it starts with the passage from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, I mean, do you want me to... Uh... Uh, I, I'd love to go into this story because uh, it was a remarkable moment in my life. And going to what Alec was talking about, uh, I think I am fairly typical of a certain class of American when, uh, when, I, when uh, I come from the area of thinking faith is optional. In other words, it's one, uh, one of many great choices that we have. And, of course, we live in a prosperous country for the most part. And, um, you know, so I was, uh, I was cavalier about my faith. And, however, uh, by the time I got on this plane um, in maybe uh, after the year 2000, uh, I was uh, heading to Nashville, and uh, by that time in my life, I was coming to know the Bible, but I had a long way still to go. And so I sat down in my seat, which was on the aisle, and on the window was uh, a woman, uh, not very uh, large. I mean, she was, uh, she was very, um, she was just looking out the window a lot, but on her lap was a Bible. And... Uh, so, you know, eventually I said, well, I see you have a Bible. Uh, what's your favorite verse or something like that? I, there was a longer conversation than that, but I, I ended up, what's your favorite verse? And it was the first verse that David um, quoted today, which is, I lift my eyes up to the hills, where do, and where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's Psalm 121. And she, that, that was her favorite song. But then she said, uh, song, but then she said, uh, or I, then I asked her, well, where are you from and where are you going? And she said, well, I'm from Africa. Indeed, she was in Africa. She was a, a black lady who um, had come to the United States as a missionary. And she was heading to Nashville, but she told me that she never knows exactly where she's going to sleep in any given night. And it really, uh, you know, think of the way we, you know, do building blocks of assumptions as the way we kind of construct our the world that we figure out how to try to live in. Uh, and uh, all my building blocks at that very moment came tumbling down because I've been used to the idea of, of churches, mostly white, sending their missionaries to Africa uh, to get things straightened out there or to introduce them to the Lord. I didn't see the reverse as possible. And that was a terribly, I don't know, arrogant assumption. But this woman was a true believer. She had put her life on the line. She didn't, uh, she didn't know where she was going to rest her head that night. And she was, had come to the United States on a mission to, um, uh, for a country that envisions itself as a country of missionaries. But in fact, uh, all countries in the world 
um, are, you know, struggle with sin, and including the church itself here in the United States. So we're not exempt from needing uh, help from afar. It just was uh, startling to me and encouraging that uh, here she was, a, a woman who was on a journey, a pilgrimage, a mission to introduce uh, Americans who she didn't know to the power of Jesus Christ that could be in their lives if they were only accept him. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I think there's so many fascinating elements to that story uh, from, from Eric. You know, for, for one, it's this idea of, you know, do we even really know who we're sitting next to uh, or who we're passing by or uh, the stranger um, in the same aisle as, as we are on the airplane and um, I also think it's wonderful because this was an individual who was carrying the Bible, uh, which, uh, I mean, how many people do that these days? Uh, it, and yet uh, it's probably a good idea, <laughs> frankly. Uh, I keep a, a Bible with me in, in my car, uh, but I don't always have it literally in hand um, and, uh, and then, of course, this whole idea of not knowing where you're going to stay that night, which actually harkens back to Jesus in the Bible, uh, you know, not worrying about the material things, not, not worrying about, you know, how that will all happen, because that's not the most important thing. And um, so I think it's, it's a really instructive story and, uh, and, 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 and a great story for, for our time, you know, uh, which is this idea that, you know, uh, we do need help, all of us, regardless of where we live or who we think we are. We, we all need help. And, uh, and, and, and this story, I think, is, is also of somebody who is, it sounds like a, hum, a humble, sort of an unassuming person who was sort of changing the world, I suppose, one, one person at a time, right? You know, this idea of, uh, of being a missionary, uh, which I think we need more now than ever uh, in our world. You know, the, uh, yesterday I was sitting in a Bible study, and this pertains to uh, the, I think the most magical thing of that story is the fact that she was from Africa, and she was in a missionary, coming on a mission to turn people, individuals in this country to Christ. And I said, in a different discussion that uh, I was in in the Bible study yesterday, it came up to, well, what do you really love? You know, I think one of the problems of America is not uh, poverty, it's wealth. We have an abundance of uh, money and the things that money buy. Uh, so uh, I've seen many things on television about, as far as like Jay Leno. So he has a warehouse full of automobiles, filled with automobiles that he has purchased because he loves Porsches or something of that nature. I think Jerry Seinfeld loves Porsches, and he has, uh, you know, basically a garage, not a garage, but a a warehouse full himself. So what's that all about? Well, it's about the perversion of love. Uh, Love actually comes from God first, and we're imbued with that love uh, when we were created. It's in our hearts, but our hearts, you know, can be also, we can turn away from God and fill our hearts with a very 
temporary uh, or impermanent kind of love, which is the love of things, the love of wealth, the love of, uh, you know, women uh, or uh, women's love of men uh, that can be count, become uh, kind of sinful in its nature. And on and on and on. We're a country of, uh, with an abundance of things to love. And you know what that's done? That's crowded out Christ. And, and that, that's been crowding out Christ ever since he walked the earth. And he, in his, uh, in his um, high priestly prayer in, in John 17, he prays that his disciples will refrain from that kind of love and will uh, go out into the world because they've received God's Word. They've received it personally from Jesus Christ. Uh, they have the Holy Spirit. And uh, look what they did with that the power of the Holy Spirit. They started a movement that is alive and well to this very day, to this very moment on this very radio station. I, I think it's a great point, Eric. I mean, I was thinking about what you were just saying, and, you know, it's this sort of, you know, acquisitiveness that, that consumes so many people or, you know, pursuing consumerism, materialism. It's, you know, what is the size of the house? What's the size of the meal at the restaurant, you know, because it really comes down to, you know, what what do we really need? And I think, you know, what you're describing is this idea that, you know, it's almost as if some of us are trying to fill the gaps in our life about what is missing when what we should be seeking is is God. And, you know, just as you as you cited from that verse, you know, that looking to God for uh, for help and for to fill us, if you will, and um, I, I think it's it's so so much in need today uh, when when there's so much sort of you know searching for answers and searching for peace or, or reconciliation in in the world. So it's 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 really appropriate, I think, uh, for our time. Yeah, I think I think trying to find satisfaction through desire is like drinking ocean water to quench your thirst, you know. It may look like it's going to do something for you, but it's actually not going to work out the way you intended. You know, it's um, kind of what the illusion of desire is all about. You think, you know, if you look around you, every person you're, you're around, you have some kind of desire to be like in different ways, even people that you, have, you think you have contempt for or you don't like. There's always something that you can covet. Oh, they seem to have a peaceful life. Oh, they seem to have a really chill energy. Oh, they seem to have a very relaxed, simplified career. Oh, they seem to have, you know, their family. Or they seem to have a job. Or they seem to have a house or a neighborhood or an age that I want. We always want something somebody else has. But if we think about it, they're in the same boat we're in. And it's all an illusion, isn't it? That's what idols are, right? Oh, yeah, it yeah, is. But, but my my problem with uh, looking at it that way is like I was one of those people, and there was nothing that was going to deflect me from pursuing my passions, and they were multiple, by the way. And it's 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 you know the lostness of the human being actually starts when you're quite young, and it's not imposed by society; it's imposed by a heart that has been uh, corrupted by. Uh, sin, and you can't say it any other way. It's 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 a corruption that is in here just by being born. We inherit it. 
And the, the question is, who is going to come into our lives that's going to steer us away from all the false promises and false starts? So I, I just look at my own life, my own single life. I think I'm pretty kind of typical. And I may not have had a typical education, but uh, when I finally entered the world, I had many things I was pursuing, and that's what got me into trouble because I didn't have a mission coming from God. I had a mission coming from Eric mm-hmm. that I had picked up from my schools and my friends and the businesses I, I worked for and then even in my own business. It gave me a false sense that I was going somewhere where really I was going towards very quickly, towards trouble. And what changed it for me is one day I said a prayer And God answered it a few weeks later, but he didn't answer it in the way I expected, and I had no idea what that answer meant. Mm -hmm. But a verse that I've memorized uh, from Psalm 50, 15, and I'm not just quoting the Bible, I I memorized this because this represented what happens not only happened to me, but happens to virtually everybody. Uh, You may not, you may miss it. But uh, it simply goes like this, and it's God speaking. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. The third part is mission. It's what we create disciples and apostles and missionaries out of. The people have actually experienced being saved from all the false starts and all the false promises and all the false ways of looking at things. And suddenly the, their, their blindness becomes light, and they see that Christ is real rather than some you know, painting on, on a window in a church. Real, alive, you know, part of our existence, the way we breathe. Uh, and we experience it through the power of the Holy Spirit, which for a lot of people sounds like Halloween talk, but is actually real. I experienced it. I went through a bankruptcy, and I should have been destroyed 40 times over. And it was like, you know, the uh, friends of Daniel walking through the fire and not being singed. I mean, it was amazing. And, how, and so I was given a mission. I just didn't know what it was at the time, but it was very different than what I was doing before. You're listening to Trail Thoughts, a Friday series that we have done now with Alec Klein and Eric Campman on our program, A Neighbor's Choice. We'll be back with more Trail Thoughts when we continue after these short messages. Welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice. I'm your host, David Gronoski. We're doing our Trail Thoughts Friday segment with our guest here, co-host for this segment, Eric Campman, uh, publisher at Republic Publishing, as well as Alec Klein, an award-winning investigative journalist. But we're reflecting on the idea that when you feel like you don't know where to go, you don't know, you know, what power you have. A lot of people feel powerless right now, don't know who our leader is going to be, don't know what this is going to turn out or what kind of future might have for us. You have to have this courage and 
Eric was telling us about the story where he ran into on an airplane to Nashville a woman from Africa who was coming to America, didn't know where she was going to stay that night, but she was there to help teach Americans how to follow Jesus and how that role reversal of what we expect missionaries to be going to other countries, maybe that's a humbling thing we need to consider in our lives today. So I'll let you guys kind of kick it back where you were, were going with that, Eric. Well, I I, I think the the point of the story, I mean, this uh, is one of 365 stories uh, of one kind or another in my new book, Signposts. And in trying to discern, okay, well, what's the application here? What does this mean? To me, to me she was inspiring. And inspiration is actually what gets us to the next day. Uh, if we are depressed or we feel that we can't accomplish anything, we're powerless, uh, well, that's going to be reflected in sort of depression and the other things that come with that. But inspiration means not only will I get to the uh, next day, I will embrace it. And so she, in, 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 in what she was doing, in traveling all the way to a distance and mysterious land, where, as far as I could tell, she knew very few people, if any, uh, she was actually living out her faith, living it out. We can talk about it until we're green in the face, but when I see, when I saw someone living out the faith, when I was just kind of in the stage of studying the Bible and trying to learn it, that inspired me all the more to really get with it, because it's not about learning the Bible, it's about the power that you derive from learning the Bible and then applying it to your life and to the lives of people around you without fear. Mm -hmm. Not being afraid of what other people say and mock you, right? Well, you know, I was afraid of it for the longest time, and I think it's a very real fear Nobody wants to be mocked, belittled, looked down upon, uh, isolated, whatever. Nobody wants that, at least if they're sane, they don't want that. Uh, so it, 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 but it's over, you know, you'll know you're doing well in coming to know the Bible and coming to know Jesus Christ and, and having the, the Holy Spirit knock on your door, your heart, the heart to your, your, your soul. Uh, is when that fear starts to dissipate and you see the sun rising. I mean, that's, I think, how it is. I, I don't think it's necessarily instantaneous. It can be. But it also can be a journey. If I could add one thing, I was just thinking about what, uh, David, you had used the term sort of illusion of desire. And, you know, when you mentioned that, I was thinking about how that sounds sort of like addiction, you know, where people are drawn to these different things, whether it's alcohol or drugs or something else or consumerism, what have you. But the answer, I mean, I think is in the Gospels. It's, and if you just sort of listen to that, that voice, uh, you know, and, and for me, you know, I, I have to say I was, uh, I didn't understand, I didn't really know until, until I opened the Bible and, and read about Jesus. And I, I think uh, th that's where you find the eternal truth about compassion and forgiveness and love and the things that really uh, fill us 
with what we need. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, what we're doing, it, 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 what, you know, I feel more and more every day, I, you know, as I get older, it's weird, uh, I feel more on a mission than uh, ever before in my life. And I, I think it's very focused now about helping people not be afraid of the Bible. Well, that's fascinating, guys. Always appreciate your perspective. And I think a lot of people in our audience will appreciate a perspective like this in the turmoil that they see all around them, regardless of their political views. It's a stressful time for people. And the perspective that you're giving, I think, is refreshing and gives people hope and inspiration. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm David Gronoski. We'll be back with Hour 2 in just a moment. But for now, Godspeed.